Welcome to the season finale, the season recap of the world-famous North and Gold podcast. I am Jake Johnson, known on Twitter as Salt Lake Jake, and with me as always... Benji Hadfield from North Pole, Alaska. You can find me on Twitter as Ellis McPickle at Alaskutan, where I bring you whatever I want to tweet, <laughs> and it usually yep. related to BYU sports or the jazz or just whatever's on my mind. Lately, it's been stocks. Stocks have been going crazy. Uh, yeah. Day before that, it was Bernie memes. Before that, it was sea shanties. I actually didn't talk about sea shanties, but they're all the rage a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I miss those yep. days. Yep. He uh, Benji is our northern, our Alaskan representative, the current Alaskan representative of North and Goal. I am the former Alaskan representative of North and Goal, spanning. We're, we're spanning on, on 30 years of residency in, in Alaska at this point, mid-90s to, to mid-220s. We've, we've been there for 30 years yes. at different times. And uh, man, we were just talking, Benji, we were talking about getting old. Benji is the trendsetter, man. We were talking about his hair before we got on here. He's got, I asked him because his hair is beautifully wavy, thick, and full. I asked him, I'm like, you perm that because... Down here in Utah, I'm seeing a lot of kids, a lot of teenagers perm their hair. And Benji said, you know, tell them what you said. Give us your wisdom what you said when I asked you that. I said, if you live long enough, fashion catches up to you. Because I've never really had, like, cool hair. Like, I've always had good hair. Like, I've got very thick hair, which, you know, genetically, my, my kids are lucky. Both my wife and I, we have very thick hair. So we, we don't have to worry about uh, losing our hair ever. But, you know, I'm never, I'm like... I'm almost two years behind the trend, you know? Like, all the cool kids were bleaching their hair sophomore year of high school, and I finally did my senior year, and it's like, I'm not innovative at that point. I'm just playing catch-up, and apparently, I did this, and and trends always take a little while to come to Alaska, so apparently, I'm a little ahead of the curve here, because I've got got a little curly on top and short on the sides, and that's just, uh, I guess that's the thing, or will be the thing. It's it's coming. I've seen three teenagers in my ward that have... And, and and my nephew actually, so in Sandy, have cut their hair short on the sides and then cur- and permed the top. And you're looking good. You're looking like you got a perm top. So anyway, Thanks. this yeah. is this is not a hair podcast, man. We're we're, we're <laughs> ready to go. We're ready to jump in to the end of this season, man. Let's do this. Let's recap. Let's forecast. Let's get crazy. Yes, let's do it. I've got a few things I researched. Just thoughts that have ruminated. In my mind, I don't know if I use that word right. I have ruminated on these thoughts throughout the season and a little bit into the off season, and things I've looked into uh, based on a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of smack talk on on the tweeters. Uh, but you know, we don't have to get into the weeds just yet. All in all, let's recap the season one sentence. Uh, tell me, give me in as few words as possible. How do you feel about the season? Well, from my perspective, it's going to be one word tragic yeah you know and it's that's fair there's no other way to put it because the way the season went we all know how this whole season went delayed sidetracked cancels sicknesses etc but at the end of it there was a bright shining star that was like holy crap this is going to be awesome for next year and that of course is none other than the mr ty jordan and as we know that tragically ended so when i think back on this season i will just think i will think that man tragedy it was a horrific ending horrific way to cast a a gloom on the entire season because what we lost we lost just not only was he just brilliantly incredible on the field i mean i've watched i've watched his replays so many times where he he makes these jump cuts in the hole that are literally barry sanders-esque and you're like dude you can't freaking teach that 
And what we lost on the field was astronomical. And admittedly, I don't know. I didn't know him personally because of the the nature of the season, and we didn't really get to know him. But from what I understand, from what players and coaches and, and people who do know him said, what we lost off the field was just as big a, a personality and a good heart and a humble kid. And both of those just combined just makes this season tragic. So when I think of 2020, I'm going to think tragic, man. Yeah, agreeable. I had a thought the other day. You've seen, I think everybody's seen the challenge of 597 for Ty. And I've, I've participated. I already had my goals that I wanted for this year. And I was serious about it, about like, all right, I'm going to get in shape, get weight loss. And I know everybody does that, but I'm, I'm, I'm committed. You know, I was like, this is really going to happen. Uh, I've been in good shape before and it's time to get back. But I did not have on my list of things to do is run 600 miles in, what is it, eight months? Um, and the numbers are crazy. It's more than three miles a day. And I typically, when I lose weight, and I'll go ahead and throw out the numbers. It, I started the year at 255, and I can't run at 255. That would be like just hammers to my knees, you know? I, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'm going to do elliptical. I'm going to do some bike. I'm going to do some weightlifting. And then once I'm lower than 220, I'll run because I can handle that. Well, I can't afford to wait this long on that. So I pushed myself a lot harder, and I've been hitting the treadmill earlier and uh, surprising myself with how much I'm able to do. And I'm, I'm running, uh, and it's I'm dropping the weight a whole lot faster. And I, I got to admit, it's because I joined this challenge. That's the only reason. That's the only reason I shift up my work routine. And, and that's just me. I'm not like the world's number one Ty Jordan fan. I'm just a guy who knows a bunch of the community and, and feel like this activity we're all doing is really cool. Um, there's gonna be there's gonna be dozens and dozens of stories of people who are living much healthier lives by the time football season rolls around, and and I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah, that's good, man. That's awesome. I, I, it's it's good to have something like that pushing you, but also it, it's a little piece of him living on, right? I I hung up in my basement. I have these banners that I've made to make look. I think you've seen them commemorating yeah. like conference championships, Sugar Bowls and stuff. And I retired. I got a, I got a sticky of number twenty two Ty Jordan, and I hung up. Retired in my basement where he'll live on in infamy. And I I genuinely mean this. I think had he played at Utah a full career, he would have been retirement worthy uh, athlete. Like he was so good and so much better than anyone else. Every time he stepped on the field as just a freshman, and it's it's a shame. But you know his his name will live on. The Utes gonna, are going to do something to honor him. Uh, whether I've, I've heard a couple rumors, I don't know what it'll be. The, the stuff to honor him in the stadium. So he will live on. But so tragic it for me, man. What about what about your BYU Cougars? What's a sentence to remember yeah, the I mean, 2020 season? That's the thing. It's been so lopsided. Not lopsided. It's been just night and day difference for the different fan bases. For me, uh, hope is is that you know it's a hard year for so many reasons. So many things were hard for so many people, and this season was fun. And and one thing you had asked kind of stuck with me for a while where, you know, I think it was in a little bit of a heated back and forth about, uh, you know, best season in decades coming in the middle of a pandemic or something like that. And I thought, I, I don't know if I would necessarily trade that, you know? I mean, yeah, you would love to say this is further legitimized because of the competition. But you know what? There was happiness and hope and joy and fun when that was desperately needed. So... I, I love this season. I love what BYU was able to do for the fans. And, you know, we always play the what-if games. I I think even with the loss, the Coastal Carolina loss, that might necessarily be a bad thing. And the reason I say that is this. I can look back on that season right now and say that was a fun season. It lacked nothing. 
we enjoyed every game. You know, we were into it every game. It was intense. Had BYU gone twelve and zero, and and still been shut out by the committee, that sucks. And that's not hope anymore. That's not fun anymore. That's the feeling of the world is sticking it to you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And you know, I, in some ways, I think as a fan enjoying the season, it's almost better to say, nah. We, we tried our best. We tried to prove ourselves. We came up short, and it's on us. It's not on someone else. It's not on an outside factor. So, so I, that I way, like it. Yeah. I like the season. Yeah, yeah. So that way, it's like uh, it's like Robin Hood app discontinuing <laughs> trading. You know? It's, yeah. Maybe they saved, like you said, maybe they saved the world from a Great Depression because everyone's going to dump their money into GameStop and lose it all anyway, right? I am, you know, I'm low football IQ. I am like even lower stock market IQ. <laughs> so I'm just, so I'm just enough to say, hey, this is and the funny thing. I'd had a little bit of money all year where I was like, oh, let's see how Winnebago, Winnebago does because people will want to go on on uh, not be in hotels. They'll want their RVs. And I made a little money just on Winnebago. And then um, Disney unveiled something. I'm like, oh, let's see how Disney does. And so I had taken a long time building up just a little bit. And then I caught wind of this, and I'm like, yeah, this is fun. Let's try that. And holy cow, whiplash from seeing it go up and down and Dude, back and yeah. forth. And, I've never yeah. seen it. I do too. I know, I know very little about it. I have a little app that I invest some ca- petty cash here and there. But I let my brother, who's my financial advisor from uh, AXA or BJC Financial Group, he handles it all. So he's a partner there. Nice. I let him do it. Anyway, um, so yeah, so, so what you're saying is you're grateful you lost to Coastal Carolina because it could have saved you even greater despair. Not necessarily. I mean, I, I, I don't want people are going to misinterpret me on this. I, I obviously would rather have beat Coastal Carolina, you know, and right. apparently there was some bad blood. Like it was just not a fun game for the players because of how chippy it was and because of their uh-huh. like it was a it was a bad environment. You know, I mean, we talk about how fans behave in different places and from the players and, and the rumors that you hear. It was a bad experience because of them, you know. And so, yeah, I would love to have that bag and have a win. However, Taking the big picture, big perspective, that may have created a much more crushing feeling, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and so well, I, 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 it's fine. I kind of <laughs> did that last year. I kind of did that last year too. After Utah lost to lost to Oregon, the Pac-12 title game, and then the, as the playoffs went on, and LSU just crushed everybody. I was like, hey. Look at this silver lining. And admittedly, it's like the stupidest silver lining ever. But I was like, look at this. We would have, if we had got in, we would have played LSU and they would have crushed us. And all we would have heard was, oh, Utah didn't belong. This is ridiculous. Look how, how, how dumb it was to invite Utah. But we were there. Oklahoma was instead. And they got crushed. So we avoided that talk at least. Huh, guys? And it, yeah. You know, hey. Smallest <laughs> silver lining of all time. We all, we all slam each other for having moral victories. But, hey... It doesn't matter. You, if if you meet it, if you sincerely think about something and that helps you be happy, be happy. I, right. I hate I the haters. You know, we can yep. disregard the haters. And you know what? I don't want to get on a tangent about Twitter, but Let's social tangent. media. I, I'm, I'm speaking this weekend <laughs> in church, right? And yeah. a little bit of my focus is about how social media has created this unrealistic expectations for people, blah, blah, blah. And, dude, it, it's real. It's You think about it, a lot of times, even I hate to admit this, but a lot of times I'm just grateful we don't lose because of what would I'd have to deal with the next week on Twitter, right? It's <laughs> yeah. like, what a relief. I don't have to deal with all the BYU fans and all the whatever rubbing in a loss to Arizona State. You know, like it's so right. weird how it's kind of changed the dichotomy of how you, you think. I hate that. I hate that, but it's the world we live in, man. Change or die, adapt or die, or whatever that saying is. Yeah. Right? 
There's three things, and then we'll end this tangent. Three things I hate about Twitter, and I will unfollow and block and whatever, mute as needed. I hate um, dehumanizing anybody for any reason. You disagree with them, and suddenly they're trash, or they're, you know, if we dehumanize, that's that's bad. That's not healthy. That's not healthy mentally. Number two is taking someone down, like telling somebody they shouldn't enjoy something, going after somebody because they're having fun <laughs> with something that they shouldn't be having fun with, you know, like laughing at a toddler, like he's just bouncing a ball. What an, what an idiot, you know? And that's what we all do to each other on Twitter. This, we take dude, what we enjoy is. and we say, look at this moron who's happy. He shouldn't be happy. And then number three is inconsistency that people are blind to. And this, this I will never overcome because it's me against the world. I mean, we all do it. We all say, well, I justify this player taking this action because of these reasons, and then you turn a blind eye to your own, or you you criticize someone else doing the same thing because he's on the other team. And I hate the inconsistency, and I try to point it out and fight against it, and it's never going to happen. But those Dude, are my three beefs with social media and Twitter. And those are, those are good, especially the, the 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 third one there, because whether we all want to admit it or not, we're we're all like that in some degree or another. Like yeah. it is so easy. For one of when one of my players commits a crime or does something wrong to say, you know what, man, I'm so glad Wit's giving him a second chance. Look at you guys <laughs> pointing out his mistakes, you know. But the yeah. second, the second it's a BYU, I, I'm a, uh, <laughs> someone I want to say about the honor code. I want to say, you know, right. it's just it's just natural. But it's in every aspect of life, dude. It's not even sports. You think yeah. about the political climate we're in, man. Absolutely. X party, you remove that, and it's like everyone flip flops the side of the aisle, no matter what the issue is. It yeah. sucks. But it's you're right. I wish I wish there was a way that we could all rid ourselves of that tendency. But dude, that's that's a deep rooted, almost impossible thing to do. It is. I mean, it's and then I still will point it out because I feel like maybe just pointing it out in and of itself can help people raise become aware. But if people don't want to become aware, they're they're not gonna. They won't. But yeah, a perfect example. A perfect example. Of this was just recently, and I I thought I stood up for. The right way on this, but just recently, when Tyler Huntley got in the playoff game with the Baltimore Ravens, <laughs> oh my goodness, and, yes, and and BYU's punter tweeted after after he threw overthrew a wide open pass, and at the end of the game, he actually played pretty darn good for his first yeah. action ever as an NFL quarterback in a playoff game. Anyway, at the moment, he overthrew a wide open pass, which would have been a huge touchdown, and BYU's punter tweeted "poo poo." That's all he said, and there were Ute fans that lit him up and like yeah. just went crazy and then there's a big discussion i finally jumped in on someone i don't remember who i was talking to it was a couple of bi fans a couple of fans i was like listen the fact is if it was funny when tyler huntley said it about byu then it's funny when when johnny linehan says it now if it was stupid when tyler huntley said it against byu then it's stupid now you can't you can't just pick and choose especially something so blatant as that because they're saying the exact same thing just on different sides of the the, the aisle right yeah Absolutely yeah. true. Here's the other value that came from that moment. This is a crazy thing. I was, uh, me and my wife, we do weekend dates where we get food and we eat it in the Jeep. And sometimes we'll watch games on my phone on the dashboard. And so I was watching in in that situation in a Fred Meyer parking lot and I saw that throw. And then the, I love that the announcers pointed out the wind and how that had been happening in that spot. That very same thing. That wasn't necessarily on Huntley. And I, I I wanted him to make it. I wanted him to do well, you know, even though he's a Utah guy, not a BYU guy. But then uh, I missed all the Twitter drama until late at night when I got home. And the value, what somebody had pointed out that I never knew before 
was perhaps the reason Tyler Huntley originally said they so poo-poo. Did you read that in that thread? I did not. Someone said in the stadium, that was at BYU, right, in Provo? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Somebody had a sign that said Utah is poo-poo or something like that. The <laughs> stupidest sign. And they didn't have a picture of it. They're like, I wish I would have taken a picture, but it was there. And and that tells me that Tyler likely saw that sign, that got his attention, was on his mind, and he was just goofing off having fun post game. But it didn't originate with him. It originated with some huh. immature BYU fan holding a sign up. So that's funny yeah. because I remember when Tyler first said it. I was I was in the moment of you know when you're post game, uh, what's I'm looking for. Um, Euphoria, Euphoria, right? Where everything's yeah. cool, everything's funny. Even when I first heard it, I cringe. I was like, "Ugh!" And then, <laughs> and then, and then, Britton Covey said, "Oh man, don't say that." And then I was like, "Oh man!" And then, but I've used it since then. I've said, you know, when I've been ta- joking around with talking to BYU fans or fighting, I'm like, "Don't be so poo poo," right? I've said it, but so that that maybe lessens it just a little bit, a little less. If he saw it in the stadium and he just kind of repeated, it, maybe it's not as cringe worthy as I first thought. Especially- Either way. The way he was laughing at himself, like he was clever. That's not a clever. <laughs> that's what rubbed me the wrong way. Like I don't care. You call me poopoo, whatever. You're like a three year old. I don't care. But to think you're funny, it's like no man, you're not funny. That's stupid. But now yeah. I get it. It's like if he was seeing that all day, yeah, that's his own little inside joke with his teammates and in his head. And, and more power to him. That's great. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, but that's anyway. That's a perfect example, isn't it? Of of how you. That, you switch jerseys because we can point to other examples that are kind of like equations. No, this is the exact same set. We're exact same yes. insult. <laughs> and, and you saw people just furious and like, oh man, it's just, yeah. sports is so stupid, but so awesome though. I love it so it much. I can't help it. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, okay. So you, your, your recap of your season was just hope and happiness. Yeah. Ours was tragic. Do you want to dive into numbers yet, or do you want to do you want to look start forecasting for next season? Well, yeah, let's talk about some numbers because another thing here's here's a question I'm going to pose, and this isn't I had my answer before, and I'll talk about what I would have answered. I want to hear you answer this because this was a this was like a two hour maybe not two hours. This was a project I dived in on, and my wife would look at me. She'd look at my paper. I'll show you my paper right here. It's the scribblings of a madman. Right? Yeah. So my wife walked in and was like, what are you doing? And I had to explain it to her. Here's what it's I want you to get, It's a good thing we get paid by the hour then if you're taking that much <laughs> it time. It is. Yeah. What percent of the NFL played in a P5 league and what percent did not play in a P5 league as presently <sighs> constituted? Okay. Uh, well, I wish I had the hours of research. If I'm just going to guess, <laughs> I would guess off the top of my head somewhere between 68 and 72%. Played in a P5 league. Okay. And 28 to 32% played in a non-P5 league. Boy, that's a good window you gave yourself, and it came just outside that. I actually... Oh. I'm, And maybe we're just hedging our bets by overestimating what we want it to be, right? Because yeah. I would have said 80% <laughs> P5, 20% G5. That would have been my guess, and I was a lot further off than you. 66% played in a P5 league, 33% Dude, non-P5. Dude, only two-thirds. So, That's way yeah. lower than... I mean, yeah, I did. I did exactly what you said. I hedged my... If I was by myself, I would have said 75 to 80%. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so I hedged exactly like you said. Because here's what got me... Here's why I jumped into that. All along... So we've got how BYU does compared to P5s and compared to G5s. Now, being a member of the P5... That is a measuring stick that, that matters to you, 
right? You're like, hey, how do we do against P5s? How do we do against non-P5s? Being outside of a P5 conference, I love every other measuring stick because they all look better for BYU. That one doesn't look great for BYU. You know, that's just a classic haves and have-nots. That's how we each would rather look at the world. Yeah, I mean, so, back when we were in the Mountain West, we would we were the same. We'd call it non-AQ. Remember that? That was the terminology right. then. AQ or non-AQ. Exactly. Or so BCS what I wanted and to, non-BCS. Yeah. What I wanted to find out was, okay, if we're looking at recruiting rankings and NFL talent and disregard everything else, how do they all stack up? And so just that number, two-thirds coming from P5 and one-third from non-P5, would make you think that, hey, maybe that isn't as big of a factor, right? If one-third of the NFL-caliber talent doesn't come from P5, however... Here's the stat, and this is I'm going to use this as an example of my allegiance to the truth because if if I just cut it off now, I'd come out of here looking like yeah, Benji's smart, the BYU's great, G5s are better than we think they are. Here's here's why this here's what will help the Utah side of the argument, the P5 side of the argument. I also looked at how many schools went into each column, and I added them all up. I I made this whole spreadsheet. I I did the averages. I did the totals. The P5s average, why did I write that down? Um, I don't know because, where Because, yeah, if, if you think about it, if you think, I mean, I, there's, a, what, 130 oh, Division one, Division one teams, right? About, yeah. Is that right? 130? And 66 of them are considered P5, 65, whatever. So what's that? Is that 100? And, that's almost exactly half then, right? Yes. Are, are, However, when you say, when I went to non-P5, they're coming from everywhere oh, you got guys coming Division from two. Yeah, yeah like okay and so the average p5 team has 20 guys in the pros per team and then it's not like 20 guys on each roster you figure an nfl careers six eight ten something years and each roster has four classes worth of people but for each p5 school they've got on average 20 guys in the nfl utah do you know off the top of your head 24 28 as of and i was going to espn has this really cool feature where you can search nfl by college so i was just going off of what they had currently was 28 28 a few numbers our listeners might be interested in arizona only had six um iowa state kansas had five you know there's some real there's some low ones washington state surprised me nine they only got nine guys Oh, you know they, well. They were down for a long time before Leach got there, though. They were, they were in the in the dumps for many many years. Yeah, and, and yeah, maybe that'll kind of re re uh, you know Calibrate. return to the average. Yeah. Um, so looking at the non P fives, the average from outside of that, any guesses? What would you guess that at? Uh seven, seven to nine, three, and I think what? and here's here's what I didn't get to. What I didn't get to was specifically G5s. I ran out of time. I mean, I I spent way too much time on this stupid project. But the average is three. And so when you're talking how tough is a schedule with no P5s, and you say, okay, you guys average only three total players in the NFL per school, having no P5s would be super easy. Um, Some of them that stood out, though, this, this really shocked me. Temple was the number one non-P5. They've got 20. Temple was. Temple has 20 guys. Um, Toledo has 15. Wyoming has 15. 
Uh, UCF, Utah State, Boise State. Uh, Boise was actually 15. UCF, Utah State were at 12. Uh, BYU is only eight. Now they may double that this year. They're going to have a lot of guys go this year. Maybe not eight more, but they're going to they're going to get a significant step forward after this year's draft. Cincinnati, Houston were both up at a dozen. So what what this tells me though is. Yes, G5s, non-P5s are a lot easier to play. However, these names that you see over and over and over again on BYU's schedule, they're a lot closer to P5s than the rest of the league. You know, so I, I'm still happy with BYU's schedule. I mean, they they get the PYU the <laughs> the PYU, they get the P5s on that they can, and the G5s that they're playing or the non-P5s are still pretty much the cream of the crop. I mean, Houston, Houston's got a, quite a few. Cincinnati that they've had on the schedule a few times, they're doing well. So. Um, Boise. Yeah, Boise. I mean, Boise's up there. They haven't had Temple, but um, kind of what this boils down to is I, I compared the how BYU is doing with recruitings and with NFL. There are 15 non-P5s that have more guys in the NFL than BYU does. There are only three P5s that are behind BYU in the NFL. Again, I'd love to revisit this next year because I think they're going to make strides there. However, looking at recruiting... BYU sitting at number 71. There are only 10 non-P5s ahead of BYU, but there are only five P5s that are behind BYU in the recruiting. So they're kind of where I thought they'd be, honestly, with all of those gotcha. comparisons. Well, all those numbers, What? A, and thank you, Benjamin, for your research and your time yeah. and your devotion to this podcast. What what it comes down to to me is, is I know you won't like me quoting this man, but it comes back to when Urban Meyer was the coach at Utah. The the you know Urban Meyer, the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, right? Um, yeah. Now in the NFL, um, when he was at Utah, he would it, that would always come up because we were in the in the Mountain West, and he would always say, you know what, our ones can compete with any ones across the country. It's when yeah. you get deeper than that, when you get to our twos and threes, and where I think that honestly manifests itself. When you're playing a, a, a team on the field, you can beat anybody. Any given Sunday or Sunday, any given Saturday, as evidenced last year, you beat USC, who we lost to, and that was our only regular season loss, right? But as the here's where it comes into play, and I've brought this before. When this as the season goes on and injuries start start to mount, when you're in November, the second week of November, the tenth game of the year, and you're playing against say UCLA, who's mediocre, they they're a six and six team, but you're ten games in, you've lost. 80 of your starters and three of your backups, that's when it really, in my opinion, manifests itself, is when you're in the second week of November, you're playing on the road at UCLA, and you're playing against guys that have more NFL guys than a, than a G5 team, right? Um, and so mm-hmm. that's when the, that's when the depth really, I think, manifests itself. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't even know what the point I'm trying to make here is, but I, I, th- those are good numbers. I think it sheds light into kind of, I don't know, I think it kind of, bolsters what i've always thought maybe bolsters what you've always thought too maybe it's the same thing yeah. you can take take the numbers and and be, feel good about it either way well that's the thing if i release these numbers to twitter everybody would start forming their narratives and and i honestly was motivated by a narrative i wanted to show okay where does byu really fit with this and the truth came out and it i don't really know if i'm happy with these results or not i mean it's kind of about what i thought it would be but um anyway hey yeah. well to 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 throw you a bone here and BYU fans a bone, you shouldn't, in my opinion, you shouldn't take that personally because you're in a position that you can't control. You are right. in a, you're not in a P5 league in a system that has made it exclusionary to the have-nots on purpose, right? And so yeah. the fact that you are, 
um, having seasons where you win 10, 11 games, beating an occasional USC, an occasional Tennessee, an occasional Wisconsin, doing that while the system is stacked against you, maybe you should hang your head on that and be proud of that because the system was built to make you and people like, even to a degree, Utah's and Washington State's and the Arizona's of the world, people like us, to fail. It's built to help Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, and everyone else you're screwed. And so, you know, hang your hat on the, that you're doing what you're doing based on the system you're placed in. Here's the other... I, I forgot about... I did a whole second research project I totally forgot about, and I just pulled up my spreadsheet. This one's actually even better and more encouraging because the narrative that's out there that I don't like is that the gap is widening between the P5s and between everyone else. And that we've been hearing that for years, that they're going to become two separate leagues you know, the, the P5s are just going to dominate everything. Everyone else will be left behind. And so what I did on this one is I looked at Jeff Sagarin's final end-of-season rankings, and I, I gave the top five a certain amount of points. Um, or I get, if you finish in the top ten, I give you five points. 11 through 20, you get four points. 21 through 30, three points, and so on. And I just waited how are they doing? And I, and what I did, I'm not comparing necessarily G or no, what I was is non P5s that were able to finish that high. What I compared was 2011 through 2020, and the numbers go 26, 20, 15, 12, 17, 24, 13, 22, 25, 17, which to me just says it's not widening. There's no widening gap. You know the the number of G5s that have strong finishes is the same as it was a decade ago. Okay, yeah, that's good. And you, and you know what? I'm looking at these Sagar numbers, and one thing that I find very interesting is you waited 1 through 10. How many points did you say? You get 5 points for a, a top 10 finish. And then what do you get for 11 through 20? 4 points. Okay, because you look at BYU at 13, right? That's a 4-point finish. Right. Go ahead and glance there at number 20. Do you see who, who comes up there at number two zero in Sagarin's final rankings? I, I have it written down somewhere. Is it is it a someone who loves to be jolly across the land or something it like that? It is. It is the jolliest <laughs> gang you have ever seen. Sitting there at number twenty, a four point finish, just like BYU at number thirteen. We how about yep. that? We finished on the same plane after <laughs> nice. all that. We, we both, both get finished four with four points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, that surprises me, honestly, to see Utah 20 because we started, I mean, we played five games. I don't even want to recap, rehash again the the, the asterisk that this season was for Utah. I, We've I done do, it a million I, times. I found it. I did have that written down. That was my okay. other project. Here's, good, good. here's the here's the But the fact that we that. finished in the top 20, bro, that's pretty, pretty good. It is. Had Utah and BYU played this year, Utah would have been BYU's hardest opponent as per Jeff Sagarin. Utah finished at 20. Of BYU's opponents, um, Boise State 36, UCF 34 are the next closest. Coastal Carolina on Sagarin was way down at 45. Had Utah and BYU played, BYU would have been Utah's toughest op- or uh, second toughest opponent. USC narrowly edged out BYU. USC finished at 11, BYU 13 in, in Sagarin. Yeah, looking at that, that's... Uh... Yeah, and then, oh, Washington's all the way up at 21? I mean, I don't know about these. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, I was, <laughs> now they're they four games. I, yeah. Again, it's comparing apples and oranges here. They went three and one and at 21. Mm-hmm. Utah three and two. It's It was tough. It was a stupid year for, for the Pac-12, man. This, Although it did end with why. a bright spot with the firing of the biggest buffoon oh, to ever yeah. run a, a league. 
Larry Scott, we called for it all year, and finally the president's had enough, and he's gone. So hopefully yeah. we get a, a good guy in there to resurrect our image, man. Because you, you can't have a worse guy. You can't. There, you can't. There's there's really no can't. way this is a bad thing. This is and it's it's so funny because for us Utah fans, like in the very beginning we freaking worshipped the guy. Yeah, he's one that brought us in the league, man. Um, but like as time went on, we realized this guy is a complete idiot. Except for when he expanded, and brought Utah. That was genius. Right. And everything so, after so, that, he was a complete idiot. This comes back to that motivated cognition we were talking about. Either right. either the guy couldn't do anything right, or he only did one thing right, which is more likely, right? Yeah, two thousand twelve on. He could after 2012. He couldn't do any anything right at all for sure. But yeah, dude. They. I hope they get. I mean, this this world, man. This the way college football is. You need a business savvy, cutthroat dude running your league to try and get as much money and exposure as you can. So hopefully they get bring someone in that can hand, can do that for you, us. You need a, a networker too, and that's the stupidest thing about all of this. In in conference realignment, the story. The oral history of how TCU got their way into the Big 12 by getting the right guys drunk, you know? It, it happened after hours, after the meetings, unofficially, in a bar, deals were made, and it's like, that just sucks. But it's that's the way the game is played. You need somebody who's just a wheeler dealer, savvy, can can make deals with TV networks, and just, I don't know. I, I if, anything, if anything, 2020 and beyond has taught us is, yeah, dude, everything's full of corruption at every level, every business, it is. every freaking organization. And today's the latest example of the whole trading situation. So every everybody is in it for themselves, man, and it sucks. It is. But what do you Maybe do? it's part of the revolution when Wall Street's overthrown, the government's reorganized. Maybe we can get a fair college football playoff access system in place. We'll just if I'm involved in the revolution, I'm including that. That'll be my my thing that I bring with me. Yeah, I love it. I love it, dude. Okay, well uh let's let's uh any other numbers you want to dive in before we we just do a quick uh, look ahead well, to well, 2021. Just my thoughts on that. The fact that that divide not only is it not growing, but it's stable. The reason why I thought about it was guys like Clark Phillips, guys like Jalen Johnson, who, yes, they chose a P5 school. However, they had offers to go to the premier programs. You know, they could have gone to Ohio State and they went to Utah. Why? You see the field right away. And that same mentality is why we have one-third of the NFL talent outside of the P5 league because there will always be guys who know they're capable, but they're betting on themselves, not betting on, okay, I'm going to put in my time and then Ohio State's going to get me where I need to go. And so that trickles down, I think, everywhere. I think that benefits BYU, that mentality. So I love it. We're going to be fine. I don't think there really is a growing divide or chasm. There is in money. There is in TV access. There is in revenue. But you're going to always have guys betting on themselves saying, I can show up at freaking Wyoming and I'm going to make a name for myself, and then I'm going to go lead the Buffalo Bills to the AFC Championship, and we're going to lose. You know where I, I also think there's a, a, a growing divide is at the super top level, though. Like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. The, you look at the recruiting classes in the last 10 years, it's like the same five or six player teams. And you look at the playoffs, there's been 11 teams make the playoffs. That's it. I 11 yeah. teams make the playoffs. And it's like the, the rich are getting richer uh, because you know John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News did a thing where he compared if a Pac-12 All-Star team played Bama, who would win? Mm-hmm. And he did like star ratings and stuff. 
They they out recruited an entire Pac-12 All-Star team, and then he's like, "Well, dude, that sucks for the Pac-12." But then he looked at other leagues too. They did the same thing as the Big 12, the same thing as the ACC. They out recruited. If you took the best t- players from 12 teams of other P5 leagues, they had better players than all those guys combined. So they're just the gap for them in the in in, in the rest of us is just like insane right now. Yeah, I just don't see it lasting. I I agree that's how it is right now. I don't think that's sustainable. Because of that reason, because let's say let's say you're the number three recruit at your position in the whole country. You go to there with the hope that you'll start by the time you get to your senior year, or do you go like Penn State where you're the guy from day one, you know, or any number of different places where you say, I believe in this system, let's go ball out there. I, well, there's I, that, I just don't but, see it. But then you, t- you, you can flip the script and say, I mean, these guys that are the number three recruit in the nation, they probably think they're the best player. It doesn't matter. They probably think I'll go there and I'll start as a freshman because I'm the best. Plus, look at this recruiting pitch they have. They can say every player Nick Saban has recruited since the year 2000 at, all his, at LSU and Bama has won a national championship. And Bama has played in the, la- okay, of the last 12 national titles. Freaking Bama's played in eight of them. 66% yeah. of the last dozen years, they've been in the national title game. So so I think, yeah, it, I, I think especially when Saban's gone, hopefully they come back to the pack a little bit. But right now he has got a freaking machine because guess what? They just signed their best class they've ever had in the history of their Alabama. So they're not going away any, any Crazy. anytime soon. Because, you know, you go to the number five guy, you're like, hey, come to Bama, man. I, I can guarantee you a national title appearance. Win a national title, I guarantee it. Come here, and he's like, dude, I'm number. They got me number five, but I'm the best player in the country. I know him. I'll go there. I'll start as a freshman. And dude, uh, it sucks. I don't you'll, know. It's you'll never guess who's got the most NFL players out of any college. Uh, USC. No, it's Alabama. You would have guessed it. Oh. <laughs> I would have guessed Alabama, but the way you said it made yes. me guess someone else. <laughs> I was throwing you, throwing you off. Alabama has 53 guys in the NFL. Uh, I think LSU at 39 might be the next. I mean, that yeah, that's a gap. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. It's, yeah, it's. Uh, I hope it. I hope it changes soon because it's honestly, it's getting kind of boring to see. For sure. Let's look at the playoffs with Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, and who's the fourth one? It's either Oklahoma or LSU or Georgia. Yeah, yeah or Utah. What can we expect um, from Utah next year? Well, <laughs> you know me. I'm ever the optimist, right? Ever the optimist. But here's my here's my prognostication besides the national championship and undefeated season. Besides that, okay, we have got everybody coming back on defense with one exception. Nate Ritchie is going on a mission. He was our starter okay. at safety. He's going on a mission. So 10 of our 11 back on defense. And you know what? Our defense actually finished really good. Um, they were all a bunch of new starters. We lost, as you know, the year before, 9 of 11 starters to the NFL. All 9 of them ended up on an NFL roster. So we were starting a brand new defense, and we nicknamed them the Baby Utes, right? And yeah. uh, they had the talent, we said. And they they the, they started kind of rough with their first game against SC. But then they, they kind of kicked it into gear, and we finished – the number two overall defense in the Pac-12 uh, with a bunch of freshmen starters and a bunch of young players. So we returned all, well, 10 of 11 starters on defense, including Devin Lloyd, who was first team all Pac-12. Uh, everyone expected him to leave for the NFL, but he's coming back as a linebacker. I've seen publications, including ESPN, that have him next season as first team All-American at linebacker. So he's a huge, huge cog coming back. And then on offense, we returned all of our offensive linemen, um, someone had mentioned that Nick Ford might 
declare for the draft, but he didn't. People always rail on the offensive line, but guess what? I saw pro football focus that showed Utah's offensive line was one of the most improved offensive lines from the previous year. They started three freshmen, so all their linemen are back. We returned all of our wide receivers, uh, Brian Thompson, Solomon Enos, Nakua, and, of course, brother Britton Covey. They're all back. Uh, we returned our tight end, Brant Keithy, who a lot of people thought he would go to the NFL. He's coming back. Everybody's back with two exceptions. Of course, the tragic exception of Ty Jordan. Rest in peace, King. Um, and then our quarterback, uh, our starter that, that played most of the year, he transferred because he was terrible. I don't know ending his name, but we know that. So we've got two positions where we're putting new people in. And how are we going to fill those? Here's how. we got four transfers uh, at, from the end of the season. Two quarterbacks. Two running backs. A running back from Oklahoma who was uh, he he wasn't their starter, but he got a he got about forty percent of their carries in the backfield. TJ Pledger. He'll be one of the com- dudes competing for the starting job. Chris Curry, a, a running back from LSU who didn't have great numbers, but he you know he was behind all those LSU guys. But he was highly recruited. And then Micah Bernard, who uh, was in the backfield along with Ty Jordan this year and, and showed some flash. So one of those guys will be the starter running back and. I, it doesn't matter to me who it is because I think they'll be good. They won't be Ty Jordan level because Ty Jordan was freaking special, but they'll still be good enough. And then quarterback, that's the big question. Cam Rising is coming back from his uh, injury, so I don't know how that's going to play into it. But if it, if he, if it lingers into summer, it could do some. It could detri- be a detriment to his uh, his um, position there at quarterback. Or the other guy who I think is going to win it anyway is the transfer from Baylor. Charlie Brewer, uh, he's a he's a fifth year senior as a starting quarterback. See, I pumped a lot of I pumped Jake Bentley a lot this offseason, saying, "Oh, SEC quarterback, SEC quarterback." What I didn't take into account was um, he didn't win a ton in the SEC. He threw for a lot of yards, but he didn't win a ton of games. The difference is Charlie Brewer did both throw for a ton of yards, almost ten thousand yards in his career at Baylor, and as a starting quarterback, he led Baylor to the Sugar Bowl. Um, two years ago, so he's been he's been successful uh, in college football at a high level. He's won a lot of games, and uh, he's a senior. So I think he comes in and starts. It'll it'll come down to him or, or or Cam Rising, depending on how Rising's shoulder is. But I think personally, Charlie Brewer will win it out. Give Cam Rising another year to rest, and then uh, we also brought another big transfer from Texas, Jaquindon Jackson, who actually was best friends with Ty. Jordan, and that's the reason he came in the first place. But he stuck out with his commitment after. He was like super, super highly recruited. He had been our highest. He would have been if he had got him out of high school. Our highest quarterback recruit of all time. So he's super athletic. I think they have some special packages for him, like some goal line runs, some some wildcat stuff. But I think it ends up being Charlie Brewer, quarterback from Baylor, and then uh, dude, I think uh, I think with all our coaches back, all our coordinators, everyone back, went back. Uh, uh, a high, an upperclassman team. I think next year we're going to do big things. I think we're going to win the South. And on Ty Jordan's inspiration, we're going to win the Pac-12 title this time. I don't know if we'll get in the playoff. I don't care about that. I just want to be Pac-12 champs. I think we get it done. The game will be in Vegas. Everyone's going to be wearing number 22 on their chest. We're going to face either Washington or Oregon. And we're going to get it done this time. That's my prediction. 2021 nice. Pac-12 champs. And obviously, uh, I'm doing, looking at it with the red glasses, obviously. But that's my, very that's red. what I hope. Very, very That's red. what I hope. Here's, yeah. here's the question I have for you. Of all, I, I don't disagree with anything uh, that you said. With the one exception, do you personally feel like your 2020 offensive line was better than your 2019 offensive line? I didn't think so personally. Yeah. But 
pro football focus, you know who they are, right? PFF? Yeah. They yeah. they grade like super high level. They had Utah's offensive line improved greatly over 2019's offensive line based on numbers. And yeah. had them in the top 10 in pass protection as an offensive line, which is what everybody complained about. And so yeah, that's that's why I'm surprised by that. Watching the games, I thought I thought that was the weakness. I thought they that's what weren't up to thought. their normal standards. But here, here's part of the problem is we go back to our first game. They looked terrible. They got their quarterback injured, right? And yeah. our first game was against USC, who finished 11 in Sagarin's ratings in their third game of the season while we're playing our very first game, right? And the rumor mm-hmm. was that the offensive line was the unit that was hit so hard with COVID anyway, oh. which is why the games were were delayed. And so yeah. there was no cohesiveness. We're playing our first game against a top 15 team, and they didn't look good, dude. They didn't. That's just a fact. Three of the guys are freshmen. Their first game of their college career, they're going against USC, who's loaded with talent. So the, the, the problem is everyone has that misconception because the way 19 ended, it ended terribly in the in the Pac-12 title game. Our line look, got abused by Oregon. Nobody cared in the Alamo Bowl. It got abused by Texas. And then our first game against USC, so was like, oh, same crappy offensive line. When in reality, pro football focus rated them one of the best offensive lines in the Pac-12 and yeah, that's as that's with three freshmen and everybody coming back. So uh, I think I think that the perception was off a bit, and I had the same perception that it was the weak part of the team. But the the, the metric bears out that it's not. It, it it had one of the best pass protective units in the country. He had them in the top ten in pass protection as an offensive line, and one of the best lines in the Pac-12 that only improved as the season went on because of the way it opened. So yes, I think I think the line will be a strength next year. Looking ahead, you've got Weber State, BYU, San Diego State before the Pac-12, where from the north it looks like you miss um, – who are you missing? You get Oregon, uh, Oregon State. You get We're Stanford. missing Washington, I believe. Missing Washington and Cal? Cal, yeah, Washington. Okay. Who are your th- four toughest opponents? Uh, <laughs> I wanted to cast the net wide enough to get you to say BYU. Uh, well, <laughs> I think here, okay, here, here's what I think the stuff is supposed to be. USC, I, you have to throw them in there every year just yeah, because of the talent they have. For sure. And they went 6-1, and one, I think, or 5-1, and one, whatever they went. They lost in the Pac-12 title game. Title game, which was a joke because it was the yeah. second place team from the North on, on two days' notice. Whatever. That was stupid. Who then, who then so, beat them? Who then yeah. beat them? Yeah. Just, they lost yeah. to Oregon in the worst a, Pac-12 title game ever. It was um, a good year to not be a Pac-12 fan. God, it was terrible. So they bring everybody back, including their quarterback. So I think USC is going to be in the top four. I think Oregon will be in the top four. Um, I think Arizona State is going to be really good next year. They, yeah. like Utah, started a bit slow because they had COVID issues too. Their first, they didn't play, by the time it was December 1st, they had played one game. Yeah. They, they just didn't play anyway. So I think Arizona State's going to be good. They got Jaden Daniels back, their quarterback. They've got everybody back. They, they tre- they're trending in the right direction. And then the fourth team, I'm going to go ahead and say Weber State. Great, great, great. <laughs> yes, they Dude, are. Dude, Weber State's a good team. They are a formidable bro. opponent. Yeah. Very well uh, coached. Yeah, they are for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, number four, um, I have to think about this. Probably Washington. Oh, we don't play Washington. Uh, let's see. Let's go with UCLA just to make you upset. Yeah. Oh, boo. Boo. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. I so, challenge you to a duel. Um, so I think if I were to predict a record next year, I would say 10 and 2. Okay. Losses to. USC because we never win in the Coliseum. So USC 
in Oregon. Uh, and, uh, and then we go, we, we avenge Oregon in the title game and beat them. Yeah. That'd be a good story. I'd, would be. I'd buy that. Okay. Okay. Deal. Let's talk about your Cougs, man. You know, every year I say BYU is going to beat Utah because BYU's got all these guys coming back and Utah lost everyone to the NFL and it never comes true. And now Utah's got everybody coming back and BYU is losing a lot of people to the NFL which means BYU is going to win because, you know, the logic. you got to be consistent in the logic, right? I, I, I mean, <laughs> if, you, if, that's your, if that's the single metric, then I can't argue that because that's, that's the only thing you're basing it on. Yeah, sure. I, I, like, uh, I like a lot of guys coming back. And I pointed this out in a tweet at the very beginning of the season and uh, got a little bit of blowback on it, but I said – Every year starting the BYU season, I think, oh, no, what are we going to do? Because we don't have, and I'll think of three or four guys. And then by the end of the season, I feel the exact same way about six more guys. You know, they, they just, they find a way to win you over through the season. This year, this past year was something special. I mean, we're losing a lot of guys who are talented, who are going to be playing on Sundays, and that's awesome. But I'm still excited about a lot of guys coming back. Gunnar Romney, Neil Pau, they're great. Uh, we're going to add to that. Um, where's the guy? I had a couple different sites up. We got a return missionary coming back. Chase Roberts is very highly recruited receiver, and I'm I'm looking to see him emerge as the uh, the three of them will replace the trio that included Dax Milne. Not that Roberts will will replace Milne, but we're great. We're solid at receiver. Uh, quarterback. We'll go back to quarterback. Uh, here's the thing: it's hard to hate any of these guys. They all have a really bright spot. Gunnar Romney led us to victory over Boise State when that had not happened in a while, and he looked great in that game. Uh, Jaron Hall, he looked really good. Wait, I said Gunnar Romney. The other Romney. Baylor Romney Baylor. did that. Yeah. Baylor Romney looked great. Um, yeah, I'm losing. There they are. Uh, against Boise State. Jaron Hall looked great against Utah State. And seeing the work he's putting in this offseason, he looks awesome. Like, his arms are humongous. And he's the one, I made the joke about that tweet where it looked like he threw the ball over the mountain. I mean, he can launch it. And so to have him be right there acting as a quarterback coach all year with um, with Zach Wilson and seeing him do what he's doing. But I don't know if you noticed that. He was the one calling in a lot of the plays all year. So heads in the game. His arms look big. I like... Uh, like Jaron Hall, if he's healthy. If he can keep those concussion issues away, I think he's the guy to watch. But you know what? Baylor Romney's just as good. So I'm not worried. I mean, obviously you're going to have a drop-off from Zach Wilson, but I think they're both capable. And then you have Conover, who, uh, you know, he's this Mr. Stud high school. If he's everything that he's built up to be, that's great. Uh, However, the trap I don't want to fall into that BYU fans have fallen into before, and I think Utah got a taste of last year, is until you're actually gone out on the field and proven yourself, you just have potential, and that doesn't necessarily mean anything. So, I don't know, but I'm not. I'm not worried. I think we've got a lot of great options at that position. The offensive line, I do worry because we lost five guys that won't be coming back. Um, Brady Christensen, the more the PFF and people that that evaluate, they're saying uh, they're really big on him. That he's the number one offensive lineman in the nation. You know his statistics. He's really. Good. I mean, he may be a top ten draft pick. And so it's going to be tough to replace him. Uh, but when I look at the guys coming back, there's there's a lot of guys that did get some uh, quite a bit of playing time. You know, you've got 
Uh, Barrington was in quite a bit. James Empey, Tukafua, Connor Pay, uh, Sele Paga. I don't even know how to say his name, but I saw him <laughs> in there a bunch. Blake Freeland. Like, those guys, I don't think it will take them long to get up to speed. Obviously, there's going to be drop-off there. As a unit, not going to be as good. I worry that we lost our offensive line coach. I worry that we lost our offensive coordinator, who's very much offensive line oriented. So that will be the position group to watch for me. Um, defense, kind of the same story. You know, we've got a lot of great guys that are not going to be back anymore. Um, but looking at Chaz IU coming back, uh, Peyton Wilgar, he's going to be the one that I think is going to be getting a lot of attention. Max Tooley had some amazing highlights. Keenan Peely does a great job. Like, as a unit, I think we're going to be great. I think looking at the schedule... We'll do kind of a condensed version. Oh, that's last year's. Looking ahead. Uh, Arizona, I love opening the game in Las Vegas against Arizona. Opening the season in Las Vegas against Arizona because th- we're going to destroy them. Arizona They're sucks, terrible. Dude. They're a 12-game losing streak. They suck. Yeah. Yeah, so it's that's going to be our nice warm-up game. That You guys have Weber State, we have Arizona, and I think they're equally tough opponents there. Who would you take a head-to-head right now, Weber State versus Arizona? If someone's coaching, dude, I I I bet Jay Hill beats them. Yeah, I bet I bet he beat them, dude. Just, dude, so, Arizona is not, a mess. I thought they replaced him. Is he yeah. still? Yeah, I was saying, I was saying, if someone, I, I don't know anything about the new coach. I don't know how good a coach will be. I'm, that's what I'm saying. If if yeah, you line yeah, up yeah, with yeah. Arizona and someone at the head, yeah, I think I think Weber would have beat them. Yeah, I saw the name and I it's I can't remember who it was right now. It's Jed but, Fish. But, oh, Jed yeah, Fish. Okay, some I don't know some is, NFL yeah. assistant. Yeah, some yeah. No name guy, so who knows? Okay, so I like that. Uh, Utah week two, that's going to be a good game. I Honestly, BYU would have been Utah's second toughest opponent this year. Utah would have been BYU's toughest opponent this year. And how cool is it that as fans of both teams, we can say something like that? Like, it's rare that we get to say that. And so I, I like that game. I think if BYU gets over them... Smooth sailing from there. Just kidding. Arizona's going to be tough right <laughs> after that. USF, Utah State, and even Boise State should be easy. Boise State's normally not easy. New coaching staff, new uh, – I, I think they're going to be not the Boise State they have been the last five years. Uh, Baylor will be a wild card. They're likely going to be tough. Washington State, I like BYU winning that one. Virginia's a toss-up. And then you got Idaho State, Georgia Southern. And then USC, who we just always dominate. So – <laughs> it's a tough schedule. I'd be happy with eight and four if it included a win over Utah, and and I have no shame saying that. I'm desperate. It's been a really long time, and it will be multiple years unless there's a bowl game before we face each other again. So yeah, well, I, I have no about problem that, saying that's the game circled. There's that's who's obviously got more the game pressure? Circled. Who's got more pressure going to that game? Because, um, you know, Utah, we we've got this streak we got to uphold, right? Is it more pressure to like uphold your winning streak or to break it? It's not really? even that. In my opinion, yeah, that's how the fans will see it. I will go out on a limb and say this. If if Kyle Winningham, Whittingham doesn't win this game, uh, I don't think he's going to coach the next game. I, I think oh, the end is that close me. for him. Yeah. Well, then, and if so, this is his last game against BYU, dude, there ain't no way he's losing this. This is his life, dude. Because pr- here's the, the thing. thing. The rumor is, and it's been verified by players, when they lost their last game in 2009 – he was. Yeah. He said in the locker room, "I will never lose to those guys again." And obviously, you can't control that. You can pretend like you can, but he hasn't. He hasn't lost since then. He so, hasn't. well, and, but he's how cool would so that be to close. go out to go out with this win and say, "I never did. I never lost again to those guys." 
After that I would said be that. good for him. However, that's I can't. You know, he needs to learn a life lesson about forgiveness. So we got to <laughs> we got to beat him because that. You Dude, can, I, I, yeah, I like him. I have no problem with him. But that's not the way you live your life. Is saying I'm mean, because we say those guys. There's nobody left anymore. Who's still on yeah. BYU's program that was involved in that whole altercation with his wife? Maybe no a, maybe a fan or two. Just a couple of administrators. Um, yeah. Dude, think about this, though. Think about this. If Utah wins and beats BYU, like you said, the next two years we don't play because we got Florida on the schedule. So we wouldn't play again until 2024. At that point, the streak will be 15 years long if the, if it's not ended this next, this next fall. That's okay, a long but, freaking time. But I always counter that logic with the, you could say, like, uh, how many I pointed this out years and years ago. Utah only beats BYU in football like once every 365 days, and that is an abysmally low rate. That's almost never. It's practically zero, right? It's 100% of times count, they play, though. 100% of times they but play. But if you count two years where they don't play, then I can go ahead and use my logic of saying they almost never beat BYU because they don't play every day, right? You can't well, count I'm, years they don't play. Okay, and of fine, course fine. you can, you, but of course I can use my logic, too. No, you, you, it's, I'm not saying it's a 15-game win streak. But it's 15 years since the last time BYU won. It would be. Yeah. That's a. I'm just saying as far as like is thinking about like time wise. Like my son is 10 right now. He's he's almost 11. He turns 11 in a few months. And he he was born after the last time. And it's a crazy to think how long I've had him in my life and to realize BYU hasn't beat us during that time is crazy to me. And it, you extend that <laughs> to 15. Is. That's kids that are starting to get ready for missions. <laughs> <laughs> that haven't been alive. That's dude. You guys need what this. What a great win. story it will be whenever it happens. It's going to be the lead in on Sports Center. It's going to be. It'll be a holiday in the church and in heaven. Uh, and I mean, it'll be. It'll be. Heaven probably has holidays for things like that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it. I I like. I mean, I don't know. I, I like our chances. I always like our chances, and I always lose, but I like our chances. Hey, you, you're not a fan if you don't think you can win this. Dude, how terrible would that be to go into a game thinking you'd never win? That would suck. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I conversely, the way I look at it, and we're talking about rose-colored glasses, I feel like we're going to win just like two years ago by multiple scores and take a knee at the game at the end of the game because I look at your losses. You, I mean, granted, again, this is coming from a Utah slanted opinion, as we know, whatever. Anyway, I look at your losses. You lose most of your offensive line. You lose your top five NFL pick quarterback. You lose your your stud receiver who uh, caught everything his way. You lose a lot of your defenders. We bring everybody back from a team that only got better as the year went on, including what's the knock been on Kyle Whittingham? He turns over his offensive coordinator every year. Dude, this will be third straight year for Andy Ludwig. Scally's back. Every coach is back. Everybody's back. They got, they've got that extra push of let's freaking do this for Ty Jordan this season, you know? I, I just think I think Utah rolls next year in a way we haven't seen just because of so much emotion carries them through so many games. That's yeah. my opinion. My, my only counter would be this year's Pac-12 schedule was a glorified spring ball. I mean, it, it yeah, they, everyone comes back, but they come back from, from not that much. Whereas, yeah, BYU... They're losing a lot of guys, but even their twos and their threes had 12 games. So when you look at the experience, the the number of minutes on the field, it, it might it might be a wash, you know. Hey, can you can you make that point again? I'm sorry, sir. You froze for like 45 seconds. Well, I'm just I'm just saying. Okay, yeah, Utah's bringing all the players back that had experience this year, but it was a short season for them. BYU's losing guys, but they had heavy rotations and they had 12 games. 
And so they're bringing guys back that may be equal in experience to Utah's five games. You know, it, it may be that that's not as huge of an advantage as it seems on paper. Okay. I mean, there's lo- there's, you know, there's logic to be said by that, but really your key players, they're gone, man. That from my, my perspective, you're, you're court, dude, I, I, I know I'm the same way. I've always am easily able to replace whatever player we lose by a guy behind him. I'm like, dude, look how he, how highly recruited he was. He's he's gonna be fine. But the fact of the matter is, you lose a quarterback that it was as successful and highly talent rated as, as Zach Wilson. It doesn't matter if it was Tua Tua Tagovailoa coming in as a number one recruit in the country. It's gonna take a step back for a while. It just is. However, Second game of the year. Flipping a coin, you you flip a coin and you get four heads in a row. What are the chances the next one's heads? Fifty percent. Fifty freaking fifty. And so yes, you lose a generational talent. What are the chances we're gonna suck next year? They're not any different because of how good we were last year. So I I think Baylor Romney, uh, Jaron Halt, they're gonna be as good as they're gonna be. You know, and the fact that if anything, the fact that they were able to be sitting there witnessing the work ethic, the study habits, everything it took for Zach Wilson to become Zach Wilson, that's only going to make them better. Hey, I can witness all the work ethic Michael Jordan put in all I want. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm ever be as good as him if I don't have the talent, right? Well, yeah, but you are they as talented better, as he was? Would you be better or worse, like seeing him practice every day and knowing you want to be just like him? Or having no clue how he prepares and still wanting to be just like him. Well, yeah, obviously, yes. But at the end of the day, talent wins the day. You know, right? They they can put as much I can put as much effing want to as I can. I'll never be Kobe Bryant, right? Because he had that want to, but he also had talent that I don't have, right? Do they? If they have the talent Zach Wilson does, and they have the effort, sure, sure. But Kobe had the talent. But what made Kobe Kobe was the work ethic, though. The, the yeah. fact that, and that's why, because I don't like him, you know, he he's a Laker, and he's maybe, I, I don't know, personal life aside, but I respect the heck out of his work ethic, and that's why I look at a guy like that and think he can inspire all of us to be better at whatever we want to be, because he didn't love the glory of winning the championship, he loved the glory of the grind. That, that no, sets him that. apart from any other player. Yep, I get that, but if he has that same grind... But he's not a six seven super athletic talented dude. It doesn't matter if he's five ten fat white guy like myself. Actually, I'm six feet, not five ten. Six foot fat <laughs> white guy like myself. It ain't gonna matter. But hey, listen, I, I I get it. You're a fan. I'm a fan. You and and I I just as we as we were talking earlier, I just think Utah's too talented and got too much too many play, good players coming back to have the streak end next year. I think we're gonna go ahead and and say then. I, I, yeah, this is a little bit of a surprise, but um, Jake thinks the Utes are going to win. <laughs> I think news. BYU's going to win. Breaking news. <laughs> yes. Love it. Yes, sir. Well, you know what? We are out of time due to prior commitments that need to be done. But you know what? Yes. We appreciate all our fans around the world. We get so many DMs asking us to cover certain <laughs> topics. Hopefully, we covered them for you, and uh, you're edified. Maybe we'll check in mid mid uh, mid off season with a, a surprise episode with you know some thoughts and etc. But this is it, man. This is the 2020 season wrapped up, season three. We'll do some shorts, you know, like like a TV series. We'll come up with little shorts, like teasers. We'll just do five minute episodes. 
here and there. That's how this. That's how the Simpsons started. Do you know? Do you know that? Yeah. When I was, I remember when I was like seven. They had a three-minute episode on some TV show on the second commercial break on a Sunday, and it was The Simpsons, and it was so funny. And then all of a sudden, they announced they're going to be a, a regular TV show. That's how The Simpsons started. with yeah. shorts. So maybe, maybe we're The maybe Simpsons. We'll have a spinoff podcast. We'll, we'll get some special <laughs> guests here to, to do their own thing. Yeah, DM sir. us if you want to be our special guest in a spinoff podcast. Yes, for sure. All right, man. Well, I guess right. we'll sign out for the 2020 season. Thank you all. Go Utes. Stay safe. Go Cougs.